Today on the Daily Gator Daily Thought, we're going to look at several things. We're going to look at the Biden administration's inability to take any responsibility, culpability, or blame for anything they have screwed up. 357 Magnum Blog has news for the left about gun owners and, shall we say, changing demographics. This is really going to make the left wet themselves. How about the uh, the dinosaur that was really not a nice guy, the hell heron? Let's hear about that monstrous thing. We've got some leftist idiot trying to say that Mullen Labe doesn't really mean what we all know it means. Come and take it. We have a piece by uh, Victor Davis Hanson at uh, Pajamas Media that is uh, frighteningly close to what we're seeing right now. Yes, we're going to go back to a book called Animal Farm, my favorite, absolute favorite book I read in seventh grade. It was actually a book we all had to read in seventh grade. It was a private school, and I don't know if you could even find the book in the school today. The, the left would probably absolutely soil themselves. All that and more today, my friends. Let's kick this pig. Let's get right into this, my friends. Let's start at the other McCain. Robert Stacey McCain writes something very, very true about the Biden administration's obsession with the blame game. And what the hell ever happened to the never Trumpers? Uh, McCain writes, my colleague John Hogue points out that no matter what goes wrong in the Biden administration, it's never their fault. It is psychologically unhealthy to think of oneself as a victim of forces beyond one's control. Uh, good mental health requires a sense of agency. The belief that we are masters of our own fate, able to obtain success and happiness by our own efforts. And the opposite of this is the victimhood mentality. The belief that we are doomed to misery because we are being sabotaged and betrayed by an evil them. The tendency of the Biden administration toward the victimhood mentality was observed by Jonah Goldberg, 
who seems to be sobering up from his five-year binge of Trump derangement syndrome, experiencing buyer's remorse of the Biden presidency, he helped foist upon the nation. Brett Baer of Fox News interviewed Jonah Goldberg uh, last Thursday. And Jonah Goldberg was one of these that just couldn't take Trump. Couldn't, couldn't support him. And I, I don't understand this mentality. I didn't like Trump when he first ran. I thought it was a, it was going to be a sideshow carnival barker. In fact, I called him that. I found nothing in his past that was overtly conservative. I found donations to a lot of Democrats. I didn't believe the guy. Not that I didn't like a lot of what he was saying, but I chalked him up to another typical politician who, well, basically you can't trust because politician is really a longer word for liar many times. But you know what? Like hell, I was going to vote for Hillary Clinton. See, I knew she was a disaster waiting to happen. As Kurt Schlichter said on CNN before the 2016 election, he would rather vote for the dog pissing on the fire hydrant at the opposite corner of the street than Hillary Clinton. That was kind of my same take. And Trump proved me wrong. He tr proved to be a tremendous president because no matter what you like about his style, Sometimes he seems whiny. Sometimes he seems childish. Blah, blah, blah. The man got, you know what, done. GSD. Got shit done. Excuse the French. But sometimes things need to be said in certain ways. I'm a firm believer in that. But here's Brett Bear interviewing Jonah Goldberg. Jonah, I have to commend this piece that you wrote for The Dispatch about Joe Biden and the passive voice, and that is the portrayal that this is somehow passively happening to him as opposed to decision that, that Biden is making and the consequences of them. Uh, Goldberg said, yes, we heard that just tonight. The clip you had from Jen Psaki earlier in the show where she was saying, we are weathering storms. No, when you are weathering storms, you are not responsible for the weather. Storms are things that happen to you. They're beyond your control, right? Joe Biden says events in Afghanistan unfolded. Events at the boulder unfolded. Uh, everything unfolded. Let me see here. Lost my my uh, my place here. I'm sorry. Events at the border unfolded as if he had no agency and no responsibility for these things. He has made choices, and we are seeing the consequences of his choices on a whole bunch of fronts, and the way the media and the way the White House spin it, it's like poor Joe Biden is like Charlie Brown being followed by a rain cloud, and he has no responsibility for what the predicaments that his White House is in. That's true. McCain continues, go ahead, spit on the ground, curse Jonah Goldberg, but he is correct about this passive voice tendency in the Biden administration. Events unholded unfolded they're weathering storms they're facing challenges instead of just saying you know what we haven't done a good job we've got to improve we're going to be better we need to rethink some of the strategies we need to put common sense and rational thoughts above ideology we don't need to be ideologues we've screwed up we're going to do our damnedest to fix this and we're going to work with Republicans to do things like the former president did.
that were good for the country. That's what Team Biden should say. If whoever's really running the show there should drop the ideology, if they cared about America, they would look at Trump's successes for the United States and they would say, you know what? Ideology be damned. This is my country. I'm a patriot. I'm going to do things at work. And what are the first things Biden did? That Keystone XL pipeline, 11,000 jobs, gone. Pissed off Canada, our partnership with them, gone. Now oil is going to be more expensive. Now oil has to be uh, transported by sea. A much longer, much more perilous journey, much more likely to be some type of environmental catastrophe happen. And it just hurt Americans and American workforce, American workers. They knew it was wrong. They didn't care. So maybe they're just incapable, frankly, of giving a rat's you-know-what about this country. I believe for a long time that uh, the left has taken over the Democratic Party. I know, I know, parties don't change. Dumbest thing ever said by any conservative anywhere. Dumb. Because it flouts history. I've heard the same people say that parties don't change and then turn around and say at a different time, well, the Democratic Party really changed after the Kennedy assassination. The Democratic Party's really changed since since Bill Clinton left office and, and what followed with Obama. It's really changed. I've heard it, but yet they turn around and say parties don't change. The hell they don't. This is now, Democratic Party's not the proper name anymore. My grandfather was a Democrat, most admired man I've ever known in my life, my grandfather. And he was a staunch Democrat. You know what? To hear him talk, he sounded much more like Reagan than Carter. He sounded much more like Gerald Ford than Carter or Mondale. But would Carter even fit in the current Democratic Party? We know JFK, Harry Truman wouldn't. Hell, FDR would probably say, you've gone too far. But, again, parties don't change, but that's another topic. The Democratic Party has now basically gone from Democrat to liberal to progressive to now full-blown leftist. They're whack jobs. Their ideals are wacky. They don't work. They hurt the country. Everything they do seems to hurt the country. So I don't know if Team Biden's even capable of accepting it. I think they're just hoping enough dopes out there who vote uh, will uh, will look at the country and what's good or bad for it and say, I don't care, I don't want another Trump. Because why else would you vote for Biden or any other Democrat right now? The party has taken complete leave of any sense it ever had. You might find a few examples, but basically it's a waste. And a good piece by Robert Stacey McCain and the the inability to take any credit or blame uh, in a responsible way by the by yet another Democrat. Obama did it. I mean, you know, what was it Rush Limbaugh used to say about Barack Obama? That the Democratic Party had gone from, from Harry S. Truman, who said, yeah, the buck stops here, to Obama, who's a... a what buck? I what dollar? I ain't seen none of that. I, I never was here. That's the point. 
Biden is incapable. The people around him have ideals that do not work, but they're going to push them through anyway because A, they hate this country, and B, they truly are, are we have to call them true believers in basic tenets of Marxism. Because you look at everything they do, and Marxism is all over it. Uh, so you have to say that, my friends. Go read the other uh, other McCain. Read this whole piece. Uh, and as far as the never-Trumpers, you know, I, I never understood these people. <clears throat> so many of them, not General Goldberg, I have more respect for him than that. But so many of them went from being conservatives. The values are what matter, right? But as soon as Trump ran and Trump got elected, they not only didn't support him until the election, then when he got elected, they should have supported him because he did many things that were conservative. But instead of doing that, they basically suddenly changed on, on a dime, almost, their ideals. They abandoned every conservative principle and ideal they've ever expressed, most of them. And now they're left-wingers. That's not hating a person or saying that person's not good for the party if you still have the principles you had, which makes me think they never had those principles, which makes me assume that never Trumpers, the rest, the Lincoln Project, those douchebags, they're nothing but political hacks who are out for themselves and nothing else. They have no political spine. They have no political beliefs, except what is beneficial for them at that moment. And therefore, to me, they are worthless. Uh, but again, go piece, read the piece of the other McCain and uh, learn. He's a smart guy. Now, <clears throat> we often hear the left talk about demographics, the changing demographics of this country. I guess Democrats don't realize that those, thi those things, such as shifting demographics, can change. Uh, Zendo Deb <clears throat> at 357 Magnum Blog has this, a very telling headline. Women and minorities embrace self-defense. Leftist stereotypes, hardest hit. She writes, because how can they go on about old white men if women and minorities embrace their Second Amendment rights. Nearly half of new gun owners are women, a study has found. Uh, a report containing the preliminary results from the 2021 National Firearms Survey obtained by the Wall Street Journal indicates that for the first time, <coughs> pardon me, women are purchasing guns at a rate similar to men. The study, conducted by researchers from Harvard, T.H. Uh, Chan School of Public Health and Northeastern University, found that about 3.5 million women and 4 million men became first-time gun owners between January 2019 and April 2021. Of first-time gun owners, over 40% are black or Latino, and over a quarter of the new female gun owners are black. Life is so unfair to leftists, she writes. Now think about this. You've got a huge shift on self-defense, which will lead to a shift on things like concealed carry, open carry, constitutional carry. The, the, uh, 
the, what do you call it, the stand your ground type laws. You can expect more of them. I mean, since the election, Texas and a couple other states have become uh, constitutional carry states. Florida is now pushing hard to do that. You saw many draconian gun control laws in Virginia get defeated because thousands of protesters went to Richmond and said, don't do it. And the state legislature in Virginia said, okay, we won't. Sorry, sorry, Governor Northen, but uh, we'd soon see you in more blackface than pass these laws and get our asses booted out of office. In other words, they listen to their constituents, which is a good thing. It's always a good thing. So if these people continue, if they believe in self-defense more and believe in their ability, their right, and their duty to defend themselves, those are very conservative values and principles. They're not of the left, and that could be really bad news for the left. Keep that in mind next time you hear some hack on CNN uh, going on about shifting demographics and doom for the Republican Party. I think the Republican Party, if they're smart, and oh God, that's that's a big if. Let's be honest. But if they can embrace this in the right way, very important, my friends. Very important. We can, I think, shift a lot of people on other issues as well, because when they start embracing one thing, conservatives stand for. They're going to say, hmm. What about these other things? If I should be able to defend myself and have a duty and right to do it, a sacred right according to our Constitution, then what about uh, me keeping more of my own money? What about taxes? What about the spending? What about the spending ourselves into oblivion? They're going to start to question other things. And that is a good thing, my friends, a good thing. So... Again, Republicans need to, to stick to their guns, play it right, not get scared of success as they do sometimes, but possibly some bad news for Democrats down the line. Speaking of bad news, say you were, say you had a time machine and you wanted to go back and see actual dinosaurs. Of course, you wouldn't want to become lunch. But if you went back uh, several hundred million years, say 125 million years to be specific, you would find what scientists have now found two new species of dinosaur that may have once roamed what is now the Isle of Wight in the UK 125 million years ago or thought to have been nine meters long, uh, about the same length as the Stegosaurus with skulls like crocodiles. And if you go to newscientist.com, uh, article number 2291743, hell hair and dinosaurs, there's an image of what these creatures would look like. And uh, uh, the guy in the picture here is challenging a Tyrannosaurus Rex. So he was like the king of the dinosaurs, I guess. So uh, definitely not something to mess with, the hell heron, as it's called. Scientists liken its hunting style to a fearsome version of the modern-day bird. So imagine a, an eagle taking something out, if you've seen, or a hawk or something like that. A hall of bones was discovered on the beach near Brightstone uh, on the isle over a period of several years, and researchers now say they relate the two new species of 
spinosaurid, a group of predatory theropods, dinosaurs, closely related to the giant Spinosaurus. In all, more than 50 bones from the site have been uncovered from the rocks that form part of the Wessex Formation laid down more than 125 million years ago during the early Crustaceous period. I think that's actually uh, early Crustaceous. I believe that's when Biden was initially voted voted in, into politics. Maybe he got a Senate seat or House seat or something back then. I'm not sure. Uh, but Neil Gosling <clears throat> at the University of Southampton, UK, Chideo, who supervised the project, said this work has brought us uh, together, universities, the Dinosaur Isle Museum, and the public to reveal these amazing dinosaurs in the incredibly diverse ecology of the south coast of England uh, 125 million years ago. Uh, So, again, the hell heron. These are are incredible creatures. It would be... You don't want to bring them back to life like some people are trying to... We'll bring the mooly mammoth back. No, how about no? The earth... They died off for a reason, okay? So let nature alone. What's the old commercial? It's not nice to fool Mother Nature. And you know who you can't beat, friends? No matter who you are, you'll never beat Mother Nature. You'll never beat Father Time. And uh, you got to accept those realities of life. So if that piques your interest, look at the hell here and... And uh, thank God they're extinct. Because that would really ruin your drive to work some Monday morning. Now, we've already talked a little bit about guns and how the demographics might be shifting. Let's go to the Daily Beast. Because the Beast today keeps something away. James Rom writes that this is the gun-loving rights favorite <clears throat> uh, Greek taunt, uh, Molan Labe. Amid the banners, flags, and emblems displayed, would you know it, a leftist has to relate everything now to slavery, the Nazis, or January 6th insurrection which I have to point out again, is the single worst thing to ever happen anywhere at any time in the history of everything. Uh, It was strange, especially for a classicist. He's a classicist. I think that means uh, like a royal prick. Uh, Like myself to see some in ancient Greek. (laughs) He speaks ancient Greek. The phrase molen labe which transfers or translates, I guess you say, to come and take them, a phrase attributed to King Leonidas of Sparta. In reply to the man's he laid down his arms, was on full display there, as it has often been elsewhere, including on the face masks of Marjorie Taylor Greene. Oh, the left hates that woman. Dozens of products, T-shirts, decals, epaulets, bumper stickers, tattoo templates, and oddly enough, noise-counseling headphones. Now, bear the slogan, why would it be oddly enough? Have you ever been to a gun range there, Mr. Uh, Rom? Or would that make you pee yourself? It might. It might make him soil himself. He might need some Depends, a couple pair maybe to go to a gun range. 
You need hearing protection because if you don't have hearing protection and go to a gun range, it will not take long for your ignorant ass to go completely deaf. You moron. I was in a good mood when I started, but morons piss me off. And people who pretend they're smarter than other people, I cannot stand those people. I've always loved kind of getting that person in a conversation, a little debate, and embarrassing the living you-know-what out of them. Because, frankly, I'm smarter than most people. I don't say that to be arrogant. It's the truth. And I really love kind of belittling people who are trying to belittle other people. It's, it's a passion of mine, a great joy. Above all, he writes the terse Greek sentence. It's brevity showing why Sparta, situated in a region called Laconia, has given us the English word laconic. Adorns guns of every size and description. Pistols buried on their grips. Rifles on their stocks. Semi-automatic weapons on their barrel and ammo clips. They're not clips, you idiot. They're magazines. Okay, little man. One gun maker, the Swiss-German firm Sig Sauer, yes, my favorite gun manufacturer, uh, markets a handgun with Bolin Lobby inlaid in 24-karat gold. I'd like to buy that. If I had enough money to collect guns, that would be one I would buy. As part of its Spartan line of personal carry weapons, Leonidas allegedly spoke these those newly prominent words in the narrow pass of Thermopylae 2,500 years ago this month. He and his corps of 300 Spartans, along with members of other Greek states, had held the pass for days against a vastly more numerous force of Persian invaders. But the Persians found a way around the rear of the pass, surrounded the Spartans, and cut off all hope of retreat. At that point, according to uh, Plutarch, an exchange of written messages took place. King Xerxes, who was the head of the Persian army, demanded the Spartans surrender their weapons. Come and take them, Leonidas replied. And Xerxes then wiped out the Spartan force and did exactly that. So in other words, the, <clears throat> the 300 <clears throat> and King Leonidas, they were kind of like uh, the defenders of the Alamo. They had a choice. Live or die. They said live as slaves or die, it should be said. And they chose death and duty and honor. Uh, and for that, we all should admire the hell out of them for that stance. And for the next two millennia, no one paid much attention to the phrase Molenlabe. Even as, those, uh, as other Thermopylae tales got widely retold, and one of the better known ones, a Spartan soldier, warned that the volleys of Persian arrows would blot out the sun and replied that he was glad of the chance to fight in the shade. Then suddenly, during his country's early history, this country's early history, <clears throat> it reemerged from the obscure essay in which Plutarch, uh, among, alone among surviving Greek writers, had recorded it. There was a Revolutionary War soldier, a colonel, defending Fort Morris in Georgia, John McIntosh found himself outnumbered and surrounded by the Redcoats in 1778. The British commander sent a written demand to surrender the fort. McIntosh returned what he called a laconic reply. Come and take it. Evidently, he'd read his Plutarch. 
The British, deterred by his bravado, declined to storm the fort. Later, the state of Georgia awarded McIntosh a sword with the words, come and take it, uh, and the start of the current craze for inscribing the phrase on lethal weaponry. Oh, that weaponry is so scary to him. Uh, you can look at the Texas settlers at the Alamo <clears throat> from the uh, town of Gonzales. Uh, they took a cannon, and when the Mexican colonel demanded it back in 1835, the settlers replied with the words of Leonidas, come and take it. Two women of Gonzales sewed the iconic flag as a way to inspire the ragtag settler militia as they skirmished with Mexican troops in a clash that signaled the start of the Texas Revolution. Molin Lobby thus graduated from spears and swords to a gun. And yes, those uh, that Gonzales cannon and the men who used it would die at the Alamo. Again, they were brave, brave people. And then we get to the meat of this thing by Mr. Rom. He says, fast forward to recent times. Admiration of Sparta as a moral and political model has gained ground on the American right. You might want to consider the numbers I just laid out for women and minorities. It's not just the right that's embracing the liberty of gun rights and self-defense, Mr. Rom. I know that probably triggers you, but that's too bad. And Thermopylae has taken on new relevance, especially after 2006 film 300. Come and take it, meanwhile, has migrated from gun rights, gun rights placards developed in the 1990s out of the Texas flag to a more general right-wing rallying cry. Along the way, the original ancient Greek wording has been resurrected, giving the phrase added potency as it were kind of incantation. Well, Mr. Rom, when people truly believe in liberty and they're going to have admiration for people who have fought, defended, and died for liberty, people like you don't grasp that. You can't grasp that, frankly. And it's sad that you can't grasp it, but again, people like you just can't grasp that because of the idea of natural rights, apparently, is completely lost on souls like yours. And then he goes on to uh, the term Molinabes being basically misused. It's funny. Uh, let me see here. To the closing part here. The context behind Molinabe, he writes, may not be known to all who deploy the phrase, but many no doubt are aware, in part thanks to Snyder's 300 film, that it stems from a Greek war against foreign invaders. Texas's use of come and take it in their fight against Mexico added a new layer of nativism to the original legend. So people seeking liberty and self-determination are now just a bunch of damn nativists, you see. Just a bunch of evil, evil nativists. So Mullen Lobby is now nativist. It's racist, you see. It was racist of the people of Texas to want to be independent from Mexico somehow. Just nativism, nothing to be honored there. And the Alamo siege reinforced the connection of Molin Labe, come and take it to martyrdom. 
These overtones, Rom writes, are what make the phrases growing currency, whether in Greek or in English translation, a source of deep concern. Concern over what? People desiring liberty, self-determination, human rights? How is that disturbing to anyone, except if that person who is disturbed is really a, a leftist? who doesn't appreciate things like individual liberty and individual rights, God-given rights. Those are bad things to the left. Anything that inspires a desire for self-determination, for liberty, is bad to the left. It just They just can't grasp it. He writes, it's a bitter ender slogan, invoking a back-to-the-wall fight with no quarter offered. It casts one's opponent as an outsider, perhaps a barbarian who must be scorned and defied, even if that results as it did for Leonidas in self-destruction. So let me get this straight. If you, If someone is coming to take your liberty away, to enslave you, and you tell them, I'm not going to let you, if you want it, you're going to have to kill me. You're going to have to go through me. Come and take it. Whatever expression you want to use. That person is, is being mean-spirited toward the aggressor against them, defending your rights, or trying to reassert or assert your rights. And liberty is somehow evil now. Yes, one side of this debate is evil, whether they know it or not, uh, Mr. <clears throat> Excuse me, Mr. Rom. One side is evil. There's no doubt about it. And uh, you're on that side, James Rom. Not people like me. Not people who want to write to keep and bear arms. Not people who jealously defend their right to express themselves, to associate with whom they want, to exercise a religion or exercise no religion if they choose. Those people do take those rights damn seriously because people like you, frankly, are either trying to take them away legislatively uh, by fiat or they're just too stupid to realize how precious those rights are. You may be an educated man, Mr. Rom, but excuse me for telling you the reality is you're a damned fool. Now let's go to campus reform very briefly here. Uh, campus reform... <clears throat> Uh, is is a great place for chronicling crimes against free thought, free speech on college campuses. Some of the left-wing lunacy that's going on in college campuses. But there's a video here recently. Uh, there was a student who was triggered because there was a, I believe it was a pro-life uh, presentation at Young Americans Foundation. Uh, it was Iowa State, if I'm not uh, not misled here. Uh, but the report earlier this month, on the incident earlier this month, uh, basically the suspect turned himself into police after trying to break the display before disposing of it into a waistband. And it was Iowa State, and uh, the student uh, is seen jogging away with classmates' sign. However, the student returned and explained that the act was a form of protest that did not intend or cause any bodily harm. You have a right to protest. 
whoever you are, you don't have a right to take someone else's property. You don't have a right to destroy someone else's sign. It's really not hard because the First Amendment, Chris Cuomo should really read this when he's not harassing women or grabbing asses. And by the way, Chris, you could if you make a habit of grabbing the asses of women, especially in front of their husband, you're going to get your ass whipped. You understand that, right, muscle man? Pretend tough guy. Uh, you're not going to fare well. You're going to do it in front of the wrong husband one day. and uh, Yeah, they're going to take you outside to the place called the woodshed. And you may not have been there in your life, Chris. You kind of talk like you've never been there. I've been there. I've taken people there. And you know what? It's not a good place. Sometimes it teaches. Sometimes it uh, changes behavior. Maybe that's what it'll take for you, Chris. But the point here is these protests, these leftists on college campuses who think they have a right to destroy uh, or interrupt or intimidate protesters, that no one else has a right to say anything they disagree with. Here's a few that Campus Reform has reported on. Uh, last year, conservative students at the University of North Texas uh, in Denton, Texas, planted 1,000 flags on school grounds to memorialize pre-born babies who were murdered via abortion. The students captured video of their leftist peers digging up and stealing the flags. An officer in the school's College Democratic Democrats chapter encouraged the vandalism. See, again, peaceably assemble does not include destroying someone else's property or protest sign. It doesn't. Read the Constitution. Likewise, an English professor at Iowa State University banned discussion opposed to abortion, gay marriage, and Black Lives Matter in one of her classes. This was her reasoning for doing so. You cannot choose any topic that takes as its base that one side doesn't deserve the same basic human rights as you do, i.e. no arguments against gay marriage, abortion, Black Lives Matter, etc., I take this seriously, the professor syllabus declared. Seriously, huh? Obviously, you don't uh, you don't take debate or free speech, freedom of expression, or difference of opinion. You don't take those things very seriously, do you? The document continued. Any instances of othering that you participate in intentionally, racism, sexism, ableism, homophobia, transphobia, classism, mocking of mental health issues, body shaming, etc. in class are grounds for dismissal from this classroom. Signed, Karen. Uh, well, there goes debate. There goes discussion. Why is it the left? We know why. They're afraid. They can't defend their ideals rationally or logically, so they have to go to emotion because they're too in too indoctrinated to accept that they're wrong. That's why they're so afraid of debate. That's why they're 90% of the time, even more, 95% of the time, I say, they're the one vandalizing some conservative sign or, or bitching about someone put an American flag that's too big in their yard or someone, whatever. they always complaining about the right and always trying to take things down, take things away, erase things. They're like statues. But there you go, my friends. Uh, 
that's what the left does, and there's so many other things that campus reform has has uh, reported on. You really should go to there and just peruse the archives of their stories sometimes. Uh, uh, great site, campusreform.com, uh, or .org, is it? Campusreform.org, excuse me. Now, the final story of the day. Victor David Hansen at Pajamas Media has written a wonderful piece, a meaningful, impactful, important piece, crucial piece. <clears throat> he begins thusly, epigraph, 12 voices were shouting in anger and they were all alike. No question now what had happened to the faces of the pigs. The creatures outside looked from pig to man and from man to pig and from pig to man again. But already it was impossible to say which was which. That is from George Orwell, a book called Animal Farm. As I referenced in the beginning, I, I read it in seventh grade. It was mandated that uh, that was one of the books you had to read. Uh, there were others. Of Mice and Men was on the list. And there were several others. Uh, but Animal Farm... That book, along with reading a book called Democracy Versus Communism, I don't remember the author when I was around 7th grade, uh, 12, 13, from 11 to like 13. Those are some of the earliest books that really still resonate with me as far as knowing the evils of communism because the book Democracy Versus Communism laid out very explicitly uh, what Lenin and Stalin and other bastards in the United, uh, the Union of Soviet Socialist Republic, the USSR, uh, how evil they and detestable these monsters were. But here is the, uh, here's the piece. It is called Orwell and the Woke by Victor, Victor excuse me, David Hansen. And what we were to make of multi-millionaire Barack Obama's 60th birthday bash, he writes, at his Martha Vine Martha's Vineyard Estates, and the thong of the woke wealthy and their masks, our masked helot attendants, was Socialist Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez suffering for the people when she wore a designer dress uh, to more than $30,000 a, a ticket Met Gala. Her entourage needs were certainly well attended by masks, masked Morlock servants. Did the leftist celebrities at the recent Emmy Awards gather to discuss opening Malibu beaches to the homeless when the unmasked stars virtue signaled their wokeness? For answers about these hypocritical wokists, always turn first to George Orwell in his brief uh, allegorical novelette, uh, Animal Farm, and an array of animal characters led by the thinking pigs of the farm stage a revolution driving out their human overseers. The anti-human animal comrades started out sounding like zealous Russian Bolsheviks. Four legs good, two legs bad. But soon they ended up conned by a murderous cult of pigs under a Joseph Stalin-like leader and so the revolution became what is what it once had opposed uh, four legs good, two legs better. Our own woke year zero revolution is now in its second year. 
Yet last year's four-legged revolutionaries are already strutting on two legs. They are not just hobnobbing with the white supremacists and capitalists, but outdoing them in their revolutionary zeal for the rarefied privilege of the material life. The Marxist co-founder of BLM, Patrice Kohlers, is now on her fourth woke home. She has moved on from the barricades to the security fences of her Topanga Canyon digs in a mostly all-white, all-rich, plural, uh, rural paradise that rewards for revolutionary service. Professor Ibram X. Kendai has evolved from the edgy revolutionary work of flying all over the country, hawking his Orwellian message of all racism bad, but some racism good. Now he has mastered the art of zooming the wannabe woke for his $20,000 an hour avant-garde hectoring. What if Colin Kaepernick, the mediocre second-string quarterback, uh, turned sudden firebrand? He refused to stand for the national anthem and spread his take-a-knee kitsch throughout professional sports. Kaepernick became a boutique revolutionary multimillionaire for $12 million a year. He pitches Nike sneakers, often made in Chinese forced labor camps. Recall the people who said Kaepernick sacrificed that fat NFL salary. Again, he's making $12 million a year. He didn't sacrifice a damn thing. <clears throat> Woke NBA star LeBron James from his $23 million Brentwood mansion blasts America for its endless unfairness in service to his totalitarian Chinese paymasters who will ensure his good life with an eventual lifetime $1 billion payout for hawking their goods. Money over principles, right, King LeBron? Are other elite wokeists navigating around the revolution are even more cynical? The corporate and Wall Street capitalists feel that a little virtue signaling, showy diversity coordinators, and woke advertising will more or less buy off the latest version of the Al Sharpton-like shakedown artist. Then there are the trimmers and enablers. These are the wealthy, rich, and professional class. They feel in abstract, absolutely terrible about inequality, <clears throat> but hardly enough in their concrete to mix with the unwashed. For them, wokeism is like party membership in the late ethically bankrupt Soviet Union. It is necessary for peace of mind and good income, but otherwise not an obstacle for the continuance of the privileged, comfortable life. The more TV news hosts ran about systemic this and supremacy that, and the more college presidents write stern penance memos to their faculty about that's not who we are, the more they feel not just good about themselves, but relieved of any real obligation to live and socialize with the other. As for the self-declared non-white other Wokeism is also a top-down revolution of celebrities, intellectuals, actors, activists, academics, grifters, lawyers, and the upper middle class and rich. And they are not calling for a martial plan to bring classical education to the inner city. They themselves have little desire to move in or spread their wealth. They rarely mentor others on their shrewd capitalist expertise that made themselves rich. 
They are far more cynical than that. The regrettable violence of the street, 120 days of 2020 looting, death and arson are the levers of the woke professionals. They fight with various tribes of the same class and mindset over the slices of the same coveted elite pies. But they bring to the scrap the unspoken cudgel that without greater non-white de facto quotas in comic books, TV commercials, Ivy League faculties and students, symphonies and sit, uh, sitcoms, then systemic racism could once again ignite downtown Portland or Seattle or Baltimore. Pretty much name your big city, I guess, folks. Go read this whole piece. It is really, really good. Uh, Hanson takes them to task. And spread this around. Share it. Thinkers like Victor David, David Hansen need to be shared. Don't just keep it to yourself. Spread it as wide and far as you can. You know, the left is very adept at spreading their propaganda, their message. And face it, we don't have the friends in the media they have. We don't have the rich, spoiled actors and actresses who've taken their incredible talent and ability to entertain people, and they've basically used it to empower themselves, enrich themselves, and now they're trying to create a country that, well, hell, they can't even do their job anymore. Actors can't act. Actresses can't act. Comedians, they have to be very careful what they say. Some jokes will, not only not funny, they will get your career canceled. Same with businessmen. CEOs, they're afraid. Say the wrong thing. Oh, my God. It'll be front page news. The Hollywood woke will, will demonize you, and you'll be out of a cushy job. It's very sad what is happening to this country, and that is why it is so important to share this podcast, share my blog. The other blogs I link to are so good. Share this stuff with everyone you can. It's great and fun to put up memes on Facebook or Twitter. I do it. It's fun. And it's a good way to get traffic to your site. That's why I have funny pics every day or cool pics every day on the blog. That's why I do that. To people like it. They come every day. They'll check it out. They start to read other things. Yes, that's why I have hot women on my blog. Well, that and I'm a big fan of hot women, I admit. I am one of those damn heterosexual men, you know. Uh, but yeah, it's a lesson learned from the other McCain. Everyone likes a pretty girl. You post some pictures, men come to look, some women come to look. Some people probably come to look at, oh my God, I can't believe he posted that picture. Look at that girl's butt. I wish I had that butt, but I don't. So don't look at that girl's butt, but look at her butt. That kind of thing. The point is traffic is good. Spreading the message is good. The best way to do that is to get eyes on what you write, what you say. The left has incredible privilege in this department. We don't. Spreading these links around is an excellent way to do that. So, yes, I want you to share what you see on the Daily Gator uh, blog. I want you to share these podcasts. I want you to share what people like Victor Davis Hanson writes and what is said on people by people like Dennis Prager and Mark Stein and Thomas Sowell and others. 
the more people hear a rational explanation of conservative values, I believe they will accept them and see them as good things and eventually embrace them and believe in them. So again, I'm not scolding people. I'm not demanding you do anything, but it is important, my friends. There's a lot of great people, great writers, very smart people who you never see on TV being interviewed. You probably never will. I mean, look how long it took Fox News to give Greg Gutfield an actually halfway decent time slot. Look what he's doing in the ratings. He's destroying all the competition. I would have had him at uh, in Hannity's slot or someone else's slot a long time ago with his show. You have to entertain. You have to give people a reason to come and listen. And then the message starts to hit them. Wow. And we have depth to our message. It's not just, wow, man, that band is really rocking. That rap artist really cool. And then you see that cool rap artist, the left does. And who do they see? Young people, what do they see? They see the same person saying Black Lives Matter. Support Black Lives Matter. Yeah, defund the police. Yeah, tax the rich. Yeah, capitalism's evil. And those people embrace those ideas. I remember Dana Lash saying long ago, the, the rights must, it would be the rights great mistake to just say, that's the pop culture, completely ignore it. Shut it out. It doesn't exist. It does exist. And yeah, I believe we can hold our conservative values and still give other things that will bring people to the table. And hopefully they'll start to, to hear the message and they'll start to see the sense of it. That's the mission I have. And I'm doing what I can in the best way I know how. Yeah, should I? Can I name several bloggers I link to regularly? Daniel Greenfield, uh, Mike McDaniel, Robert Stacey McCain, myself. There's uh, many of them I can name. They could give more concise and more entertaining segments on Fox News or wherever. But we're not important enough. We don't have those big names for whatever reason. Well, Daniel Greenfield does to some extent. But we just don't have that type of influence, do we? Maybe one day we will get that. And what I never want to see is any of us lose our authenticity. You know, that person that really gets on gets some publicity because they're a firebrand, they speak their mind, they speak it unapologetically. And then slowly over time, they start to change. And slowly over time, they start to talk like all the other talking heads on TV. That's another thing I despise. So many debate shows on any network, it's all, it's all talking points. It's all scripts. It's all the same thing over and over and over. And any type of repetition, I eventually hate. But this is more repetition of just increasingly dumb ideas and false platitudes. The news really isn't isn't entertaining anymore. And it should be. Hell, if CNN had more conservatives on and had actual debates, meaningful debates, their ratings would probably go up. And of course, if they stuck to actually doing journalism, even trying at some point, it would help. But that's part of why I do what I do. So I'm asking you, 
it's great to be a conservative. It's great to go on Facebook and put up memes and, and whatever. But more sharing of information like Victor David Hansen, his writing is brilliant. He's a brilliant man. Why would, how does it benefit me if you read David or Victor David Hansen? Because I think you may learn. You may pass that on. More people may learn. More people may think and rethink positions and actually engage in actual thinking. To me, that's always going to be something that benefits conservatism, which basically is linked to what our founders did at the beginning of this country. That's why I'm so passionate about it. And I try to have as much fun as I can. I try to be as entertaining as I can. And I thank you all so much for listening. Spread it around, folks. I want to get more people listening. I want to get more people reading all these blogs I link to and all these writers I link to and listening to all these speakers I talk about and reading these, these new sources. It will be invaluable for this country because, make no mistake, I know I say it a lot. The fight with the left today is not for ideals. It's not for higher or lower taxes. It's not for how much defense spending we have. It's about all those things, but the big picture is, do you want to leave your children an America that actually honors our own founding principles? If you do, do what you can to fight. God bless you all. Thank you very much. You can always contribute to this blog. Uh, to this podcast, either one, dailygator.com. Click the you the uh, buy now button on the first post. Links to my PayPal page. Thank you if you do. You can become a monthly subscriber slash contributor to the Daily Gator Daily Thought Podcast. Anchor dot uh, forward slash. You should be able to find my uh, my page there with all the uh, all the archive podcast. This is edition number one hundred forty two. And feel free to pass them around, and, and thank you if you give. I do appreciate it. I'm not looking to get rich. I'm looking to help do what I can to help this country continue and return to the principles it was founded upon, individual liberty. There are no sweeter words in the world than individual liberty, natural rights. God-given rights. God bless this country. God bless you. Thank you, my friends. Now, go have a fun day. Pick on a liberal. No, don't. Be nice to them. Thank you so much for listening. If you're left, you just say right, my friends, and you never will be, unless you start listening to this podcast, my friend. God bless America. And yes, go Gators, always. Thank you so much. Take care, y'all. Be good to yourself. Say your prayers. Take your vitamins. All those things that you know you should do. And yeah, take a, take a moment or two every day to obviously say a prayer to the man above. And yes, always take some time to cherish and smile and laugh. And hold the door for other people. And don't drive like a jerk. If you're going to drive slow, get your butt out of the left lane. You hippie. God bless, my friend. Take care. We'll talk to you. Ben Yana. That means tomorrow in Spanish. You didn't know I was multilingual, did you? See, the education just flows for me, my friends. Y'all take care.